2004. It's the year Paris Hilton let us know what was hot or not, Britney Spears got married twice, Jessica Simpson was back on top of the charts, and Beyonce was reunited with the ladies of Destiny's Child for one final album. But it was the emergence of a 13-year-old girl with the voice of the soul queen that had us all shaking in our boots. She goes by the name of Jojo, and with her debut album Jojo, she inspired a whole generation of tweens. With hits like Leave Get Out and Baby It's You, Jojo took the music world by storm. So get out right now and come on a trip down memory lane, because in today's episode, we dive into the debut era of JoJo. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of Planet 2000s. This is Michael Kadosh here and I just want to thank you guys all so much for tuning in and for all the support that I have been getting, the messages. I truly appreciate all of it. I want to thank you guys so much. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. It's going to be about JoJo and I was a huge JoJo fan when I was a kid. So this one is very exciting for me. Let's get started. JoJo's debut studio album was released on June 22nd, 2004 by DeFamily Entertainment, Black Brown Records and Universal Records. The album is both a mix of pop and R&B music and it was heavily influenced by the sound of Aaliyah, Bobby Brown and other artists. Production was helmed by Brian Alexander Morgan, Soul Shock and Carlin, Vincent Herbert, Mike City, Baloa Muhammad, Trey Black, The Underdogs, and many more, giving JoJo the ability to have a little bit more of an urban sound to her pop image that the record label was trying to push. We recorded last summer for like three or four months, and uh, it was so much fun. We did it in New York, LA, and Miami, and I recorded with some great producers and writers, and I got to write three songs on my own, and it was just like everything came together perfectly, and it was the album that I had dreamed of making. It wasn't like that bubblegum pop that some other record companies had wanted me to record. It was, it wasn't too urban. It wasn't too pop. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. And it was everything that I had wanted. Jojo had always been a singer since she was a young girl, appearing on Kids Say the Darnest Things with Bill Cosby, singing a song by Cher. And she also performed on the Oprah Winfrey show and Maury, amongst many others, for segments on talented children. Yeah, I did some like talent shows when I was younger on TV. Um, the first one being Kids Say the Darnest Things, which mm-hmm. was just, you know, with Bill Cosby and stuff, which was great. Um, it was kind of all started from a newspaper clipping in the Boston Herald. And I was reading, I was looking through the newspaper, I was like, Ma! I want to audition for this. I was, you know, I watched the show when I was younger, so she brought me in. It really all started from there. Two years ago, I moved from south of Boston to California because Boston is just not the music capital of the world. And it was getting too expensive. I know, right? Can't go back home now. <laughs> it was getting too expensive to keep coming to New York. So moved to California, did America's Most Talented Kids, and um, then I was signed to Black Ground because a man in the audience introduced me to Vincent Herbert, and he introduced us to Barry, who's president of Black Ground. Right. And um, recorded the album last summer, and now it's coming out June 22nd, so go check it out. After turning down a record deal at the age of six due to her young age, JoJo competed on America's Most Talented Kids, which led her to being offered an audition for Blackground Records, who was helmed by none other than Barry Hankerson, the uncle to the late R&B princess Aaliyah. During her audition for Barry Hankerson, Hankerson told her that the spirit of his niece, the late singer Aaliyah, had brought her to him, and she was signed to the label at the tender age of 12 years old. A lot of people compare me to Aaliyah, and I think it's an honor. Aaliyah is a beautiful, very talented young woman, and she will definitely be missed. And, I mean, I think we're definitely two different artists, but if some of her success rubs off on me, I have no problem with that. And I feel like she is kind of my guardian angel, even though I never met her. Just similarities are so freaky. 
um, when I first met with Barry, who is her uncle, when I sang for him, we went to his house, I sang for him along with my uh, executive producer, Vincent Herbert. We were all on the couch, me and my mother and Vincent. And after I sang, we, he got teary-eyed and he said, it was like baby girl, who's Aaliyah, was over your shoulder saying, look at what I brought for you, Uncle Barry. We all started bawling our eyes out. Just the similarities and the weird instances that have happened. I mean, I think she is watching over me. There definitely were a lot of similarities between Jojo and Aaliyah, particularly in their age. You know, Aaliyah was 12 to 13 years old when she put out her first record and Jojo obviously was that age as well. And they had very similar sounding tones. However, Jojo had a little bit more of a power to her voice that Aaliyah didn't have. And they thought that that would translate very well to pop audiences, giving her the ability to sing power ballads. The record label really was supportive of Jojo, especially in the beginning. I think the people around me are definitely my guide. I have good people around me with my record company, um, my mother is my manager as well, my dancers, they're always protecting me for different like things. My mom is protecting me to make sure, you know, the, the industry people don't affect me and, um, you know, my dancers are making sure the guys don't get me and <laughs> they're just, it's a great support team and they really help me out. Notice how she's mentioning that her record label is supporting her and that would eventually take a turn for the worse. But more on that later. During an interview about the album's composition, Jojo stated, I wrote three songs on the album. I'm not the kind of person who sings something that I have no reference point to. I feel like I'm a real artist and I want to be able to feel what I'm singing about. So when I sing Leave Get Out, I've been through that. I think it's just a new generation, whether people are ready for it or not. Teenagers are dating. They go through things and that is really what it's about. I take the songs that I write from real life experiences. If I don't have a reference point to something, I can't be singing about it, whether I wrote it or not. So. You know, all these songs, whether I pen them myself, they're like a, you know, piece of my life. It, like, whenever it hits me, whenever I'm like, oh, this would be an awesome thing to write a song about. I could even be having a conversation with you, and you might say something, like, really profound, and I'd be like, oh, I should really write a song about that. Or I might be, you know, I wrote Keep On Keeping On sitting by my pool, and I was thinking, well, like, there wasn't always a pool. I wasn't always doing well like this. And I wrote it based on that and just thinking of where I am now and where I was and that things can't be bad for so long. Or you might be in the studio and you might be listening to the track and like feeling it out and you're like, okay, this is what this track makes me feel. Or this is what I went through today. And you just, whatever inspiration hits you. That's when you're right. It's very cute, you know. At the end of the day, we all know that she was 12, 13 years old, and she did go on to later say that she had never even had a boyfriend before, but, you know, in media training, they had told her, you know, you gotta say that this, you know, you wrote these songs and that they're about your real-life experiences. Even though she didn't actually write Leave Get Out, she did write a lot of the other songs on the album. And, yeah, she was going around in interviews saying, this man broke my heart and this and that, and God bless her, you know, 12-year-old JoJo hadn't even been through heartbreak before, but she definitely was able to sing like she had been through it before. And that was a part of the appeal. Artists like Monica, Brandy, Aliyah, who were very young when they got started, but they sounded so grown up. That was a part of the appeal. It was a part of the talent. And Jojo definitely had that going for her. There were three singles that were released from this album. Leave Get Out, Baby It's You, and Not That Kind of Girl. Obviously, Leave Get Out was the standout track from the album. It is also one of JoJo's signature songs, and it was her breakout. It was the debut single, and it was released as the first single from her debut album on February 24th, 2004. The single was produced by Swedish duo Soul Shock and Carlin. It's a pop and R&B song, and during her sessions at AOL interview, JoJo said, Leave Get Out is basically a song for all the girls 
just to declare their independence because, as I'm sure all females can relate to, boys will be boys at any age and they don't always act right. I'm not hating on the guys, but they just need to be kept in line every once in a while. The song is about declaring your independence, I guess you could say. And people are like, well, how can you understand this? You're 13, but a lot goes on. And it's just, you know, you deserve so much. And it's kind of telling young girls that you don't need to take it. And if a boy messes up, you can just tell him to get out of your life because you should, uh, you know, expect that. I always wrote poems and song, um, songs and stories and things, so turning it into a song wasn't that difficult. We just, I just had the music and whatever the track said to me, I just wrote to it. The song reached number 12 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number one for five weeks on the Billboard Pop Chart. It reached number one in Scotland, number two in Australia and the UK, along with top 10 positions in countries such as Ireland, Belgium, Switzerland, Germany, Italy, and Poland. So it's safe to say that Jojo right off the bat had a worldwide hit on her hands, so the future was looking extremely promising for Jojo. When the song reached number one on the pop songs chart in the US, Jojo became the youngest female artist to ever have a number one hit on the Billboard chart in America on any of the Billboard charts, and before her, this record was helmed by Britney Spears. The music video was directed by Eric White and takes place at a California high school. It showcases Jojo and her friends hanging out in different areas of the school with pictures of her ex-boyfriend in her locker. The video was a huge success and was even nominated for Best New Artist in a Video at the 2004 MTV Video Music Awards, making Jojo the youngest ever VMA nominee at the tender age of 13 years old. The video also reached number one on MTV's TRL and she went and performed the song on the show at least twice in that year. The second single off the album, Baby It's You, was released on September 6, 2004. The song was written by Harvey Mason Jr., Damon Thomas, Eric Dawkins, and Antonio Dixon, with production being held by the underdogs, which is Harvey and Damon. The single version of the song features rapper Bow Wow, because they were clearly going for that young teenage couple vibe, and Bow Wow was around the same age as JoJo, and at that time he was popping and he had a lot of fans, and it brought that appeal to her image and to the song, and they were able to create this little collaboration together. Baby It's You was produced by the underdogs, which are just amazing producers. They work with everybody. And I said I wanted a rapper for this empty spot that was there. Bow Wow isn't on the album version, but he's on this special remix that you can only, you know, hear on the radio and buy the single. Um, and I thought Bow Wow was perfect. He's 17, he's young, he's hot, and, you know, he just he fit what we wanted for this song. Yo, we and got it? We just made it happen. from Tampa and his name was Orlando and he um, hosts the morning show for Wild 98.7 and he was I asked him you know because I like to get people's opinions I said what do you think would be a good idea for the video and he mentioned to me in Carnival so I said that's really fly with all different ages and it's a lot of fun and at night so we put our own spin on it we talked to Eric White who directed Leave Get Out and he made it fun and young and edgy and just what we wanted. The music video was directed by Eric White and shot on location at Six Flags Magic Mountain. The song was successful on the charts. It hit the top 10 in New Zealand and the UK, as well as number 22 on the US Billboard Hot 100 and number 7 on the US Billboard Pop Charts. It received gold certifications in Australia and in the USA as well. Also, I must add that this was one of my favorite songs on the album, Baby It's You. I don't know what it was. I've always felt that the beat sounded a little bit like a video game, and I felt that it had that sort of throwback 90s R&B vibe, even though this was at the time the 2000s, so, you know, 90s was still like a little bit passe, but it, it had that vibe to it, and that's why I 
feel like it has been able to translate so well over time and why so many people connected to it because it just has that feel-good vibe and it's definitely a JoJo classic. The third single on the album was Not That Kinda Girl and it was released on February 15th, 2005. The music video was directed by Eric Williams and Randy Marshall who make up the duo Fat Cats. The concept of the video deals with Hollywood stereotypes and celebrity culture culture and how Jojo is not that kind of girl. It shows both sides of Jojo, the performer and the offstage persona, where she shows that she's just a normal girl listening to her iPod and taking the bus. A bus that has a promo for her debut album on the side of it, of course. No, not that kind of girl is not a song that I wrote, but it's a song that I'm so close to. It was um, a song that was written and produced by Balewa and Sly Muhammad. Really talented guys. They did Breezy and... Um, Homeboy as well on this album. The gist of the video is that like there's so much hype going on around me and but really at the end of the day I'm not into that and I don't need anybody to help me to get things. You know, I can I make my own money, I can buy my own things, and I think that that's a good um, thing for people to understand. When you're young, it's kind of instilled in you that, oh, if your man can't buy you things, and don't bother with him. At least in some parts of America, it's like that. And this is kind of saying that it's not important. I can get it myself. I'm not that kind of girl. <laughs> the song did not chart in America, but it did receive some airplay in Australia and Germany, where it reached number 52 and number 85, respectively. The album also had a few tracks that were highlighted, maybe not as singles, but that just stood out amongst others in the music world. She did a cover of SWV's Week, which was a number one hit for the girl group back in 1993, and her cover introduced the song to a whole new generation of music lovers, myself included. And it's a staple in JoJo's musical journey. Absolutely, SWV, 1993, I believe. Um, That was a... I'm so glad that we had that addition to the album. Because it completed the whole thing. You, we brought some of the old school with the new school. And I mean, it's not that old school. Like, some people who are older get offended when I say old school since it's early 90s. But to me, it's old school. So it was a, it was a great addition. And it, I'm glad that I got to work with the same producer and writer that did the original version. So we could keep it true to the original form, but, you know, put my own twist to it. Just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. JoJo took the teen world by storm with her combination of impressive vocals, R&B beats, and natural youth. She performed on shows such as the 2004 Kids' Choice Awards, On Air with Ryan Seacrest, and the 2004 Teen Choice Awards, as well as appearing on the covers of pretty much every single teen magazine at the time, such as J14, M, and Popstar. With fame in the teen world comes the media's obsession with pinning them against, you guessed it, Britney Spears. It's no secret that Britney was the one to ignite the interest in teen superstars in the years 98 and 1999, and it seems that every single female artist who came after her, who was teenage as well, was pitted against her, and JoJo did not enjoy those negative connotations and at the tender age of 13 she shut that down right away i don't know just asking me about different artists and like like they want me to say that i don't like this artist you know i i try not to 
try not to disrespect anybody or step on anybody's toes because everybody needs to be respected. You know, I respect Britney Spears. She's a great artist. She's a great dancer and she is very entertaining. So don't try to get me to say anything bad about anybody because I won't. The album was relatively well received by critics in the music world. Entertainment Weekly praised the album, stating that apparently the army of urban producers, Soul Shock and Carlin, The Underdogs, Mike City, on JoJo's JoJo album, know how to build a disc brimming with sizzling hooks too. The prototype this time? Xtina, with her over-the-top, melismatic delivery. Too bad since many of these otherwise engagingly gritty R&B tracks, especially the euphoric happy song, outsass recent material by grown-up divas like Monica, Tamia, and even Mary J. Blige. So they were basically saying she may be young, but her music is sassier and a little bit edgier than some of these older girls. Commercially, the album was successful. It debuted at number four on the U.S. Billboard 200, with sales of 95,000 copies in its first week, eventually being certified platinum in November of 2004, and the album also reached gold certification in Canada, UK, and Germany. In recent years, Jojo went through many legal issues with her label Blackground Records, and after the release of her sophomore album Jojo, she all but disappeared from the music scene. While many believed that this was because she just stopped making music, that was not the case. Her label was holding both her and her music hostage. Since she was only 12 years old when she signed her recording contract, she ended up in an awful deal that gave her label all the power. And since Barry Hankerson was notorious for bad deals, JoJo was stuck. They owned her voice, and she was basically in career prison. I signed to a small label that was distributed through a major label. I was signed to a production company through this small label that was distributed through the major label and everything was great. And I was looking forward to like going through my whole career with them. Um, to be honest with you, these were like my father figures and like we were a family, but unfortunately um, things happened to where they weren't able to fulfill uh, promises that they made or not even just promises, but contractual things. Like they lost their distribution they made business decisions that affected me negatively. They essentially became not a functioning record label, but wouldn't let me go. So I couldn't, and contractually they owned my voice. So therefore I couldn't sing on a soundtrack. I couldn't release any music or make any decisions with my voice in a recorded way um, without their approval. And if they wouldn't give their approval, then I can't do anything. So, um, I had to, uh, I had very limited options. You know, I was being told like, maybe you should just go to college and, um, and like pursue something else because there, if you're not dealing with, um, sometimes you're dealing with people who are reasonable and sometimes you're not. <laughs> so yeah. that's it. And unfortunately I had to take it to a legal place and, and then, just fight to simply be able to continue on my career. So I know that's still confusing. It, it is a confusing situation. It wasn't like I could just, uh, you know, people think about like Prince and how he changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol and then was able to release music. That wasn't an option in my contract. They owned yeah. my voice, which means that any, like, I couldn't just change my name. So it just wasn't as simple. People think, well, oh, why can't you just change your name? Or, oh, why don't you just do this? You, didn't, you don't think I thought about all that? I yeah. tried to do everything possible. She ended up suing her label in the early 2010s and was finally released from her contract. The downside? All her original recordings from those first two albums were owned by Hankerson and were not available on streaming services. And in a world where we get pretty much all of our music from streaming services, JoJo's music not being readily available on Spotify, Apple Music, or anything of that nature put her at 
risk of losing her entire legacy as the next generation would have no way of learning the tracks and her music legacy would cease to exist. Jojo took matters into her own hands, however, and she re-recorded both of the albums in their entirety in 2018 and put it out for the world to hear. Now, while some may argue that it lacks the magic of Jojo's 12-year-old voice, I would argue that the recordings still have the same essence and beggars can't be choosers, y'all. This album is, in particular, a mid-2000s R&B staple, and I'm just glad that we get to enjoy it, and I hope that all of you guys will take a chance to rediscover some of the tracks on this album, because songs like Keep On Keeping On, Never Say Goodbye, The Happy Song, and of course the singles, they're R&B classics from the 2000s, and she was 12 years old writing these songs, and the talent is so pure and so real, and we really need to give Jojo her flowers. That being said, you guys, thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's little episode. I really hope that you guys enjoyed it, and I hope that you all have a great moment with Jojo in the next week or so, because that's how I have been. And if you have any requests of any albums that you want to hear me cover, please feel free to hit me up on my Instagram at Planet2000s or at Michael Kadosh. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>